Welcome to the mikvah.org podcast. The mikvah organization has been dedicated to the education and resources for Jewish family life since 1975-5735. You can support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. Thank you for your support and enjoy today's recording. Okay, good evening, everybody. Welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. I just want to start off wishing her for Shulema Kravato. Should hear good news soon. Um, okay, okay, so we're going to jump right in. I'm going to introduce to you Mrs. Chaya Shachat. She is she is the author of A Diamond a Day, an adaptation of A Yam Yam for Children. She has written many articles for Nashi Chabad newsletter, for Chabad.org, the Meaningful Life Center. And she's also a pediatric nurse practitioner with a specialization in mental health. She's a mother of nine children, a grandmother to one grandchild, and lives in Kingston, Pennsylvania. So, Without further ado, we will um, start our little discussion here. So Chaya is um, been working on a book for a long time. Um, I've, okay, let's start. Chaya, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, tell us the name of the book, etc. Thank you very much, Nakama. So um, a little bit about myself. So. As you said, I am, uh, I've been writing for about 20 years. Uh, my way of um, processing information and working through things is through writing. So without you know, writing things down, I don't remember them and I don't, you know, I can't understand them. So I have to write. And I figure that when I am, you know, have a problem or I have an issue, I have a struggle, I'm probably not the only person in the world that has that issue. So I figure I'll share, you know, whatever helps me, whatever I learned, I help, I share it with other people. So um, I've been writing this for 20 years um, and the new book that I'm working on is called um, An End to Conflict. Now I also wanna mention that there's another book that recently came out that I, I'm not the author, but I worked on it, which is called um, A Blueprint for Life, which is the collected lectures of Robinson Yehuda Seller. It just came out. Um, so if you haven't seen that one, yeah, please get it. It's wonderful, um, but the new book that I'm working on now is called An End to Conflict. Okay, so everybody's got to look out for that book. Um, the Collected Lectures of Emerson Yudas Heller called The Blueprint for Life. Um, so your new book is called An End to Conflict. What is the book about and what gave you the idea to do this, um, to write on this topic? Okay, so um, it started out about, let's say, I think three or four years ago was when I started working on it. The original concept, the original title I had was called The First World Problem. Now, <laughs> you probably are familiar 
say with Russia, whenever people are questioning about something which is really a luxury, we say that's a first world problem, like my air conditioner broke or my lost my iPhone. But in the context of Hasidus, the first world problem really is like, which world do we consider the first or the primary world? Because we know that this, this, there's this world, but there's also the other world. There's also Elam <laughs> Haba or Shemayim. Uh, All right, so which world do we consider primary? Which world do we consider the most important. I think a lot of us grow up and you know we get the message that this world is not so important, this world doesn't really matter, don't dwell so much on the Gashmi, don't dwell so much on Elmhaza, we have to think more about the spiritual world. But then when we get <laughs> into our Veda as wives, as mothers, and we're trying to build a home, and then we see like that, that Gashmius is very important, and Gashmius is basically taking up all of our time and our energy. And so much is invested in just keeping the house going and, you know, just, you know, the, the cooking, the cleaning, the, you know, the money and how to, you know, and then we have to take care of the kids and having time and having energy. So trying to balance all that. And so it's like our whole life is all about just, you know, working on Gashmias and then, but, but what is the first world, which, which really is the most important. And it's, you know, it's taking up so much of my time. So, um, when we think about it in terms of Hasidus, we learned that um, not just that Gashmi is important, but actually that this world is the most important. It's actually the primary world, you know, because we learned that, you know, the whole, you know, every single level of all the upper worlds, all the higher worlds are really a Yubida because, you know, Hashem is completely revealed up above, but then, you know, even if you're in a tzaddik and you're an Aden, it's still a lower level than, you know, the Asas of Hashem. So the only place where Hashem is completely and fully revealed is down here in this world. So the more I thought about this and the more I was researching this, um, that really our Veda is about, you know, bringing the all the way down um, into the lowest world. And so much, you know, there's these expressions of chasidahs about taking the very, 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 very highest level, maila, maila, aden ketz, lamata, mata, aden tachos. Like we're going to the lowest, the, the highest extreme, to the lowest extreme. So you come to understand that the whole idea of our, our purpose is to unite opposites, to unite these extremes and make them into something new. Um, so that's how it, went from the first world problem to being an end to conflict because you see how there's these different extremes and you want to balance and unify these extremes to take two extremes and show how they come together. And whenever you know two people are in conflict with each other, our tendency is you know to try to figure out like who started it? You know, if your kids are fighting and each one wants to tell their story and we say, I don't care who started it, I just want to end it. So it's the same thing when we're, you know, going and, and trying to figure out like where did this conflict come from uh, between let's say the physical and the spiritual or any conflict between two people. Um, it, we, we trace it back really to Hashem's decision to create the world. So uh, one, of the, one of the chapters in the book is called, um, you broke it, you fix it. Like, you know, if you're in the store and you break something, then you broke it, you buy it, or you break it, you fix it. So we're telling Hashem, like, we were not the ones that created conflict. We're not the ones that brought conflict into the world. We are created, and this is the world the way it is. Um, you, you know, Hashem decided to hide himself. Hashem decided to distance him, you know, make this distance. And so he left it up to 
us to kind of to fix it, but we didn't make the conflict. So therefore the resolution of conflict is really to accept that this is something that Hashem created and Hashem is giving us the role to, you know, bring together these two opposites, but ultimately, you know, we're not to blame for conflict. And so therefore we can stop blaming each other. We can stop blaming ourselves and we can start, you know, working um, constructively in order to address the conflict. So um, the whole- so Is this more um, really about the conflicts between Gashmis and Rufnius, or is this like day-to-day conflicts between um, human beings? Like what's the focus? So the world, the book is structured. Um, so the book is structured in, uh, like it starts out talking about like the, the background, like according to Chassilis, how conflict came into the world with Hashem's decision to create the world, like the Tzimtzum, um, like when Hashem decided, Hashem was alone in the world. So we have the, you know, the, the number one represents Hashem being alone in the world. And then when Hashem decided to create the world, Hashem had to withdraw himself. So that's like the symptom, the withdrawal. So that's the number two, when you have like a split. And then the number three is when it comes together, when the two opposites and extremes come together and, and make like a new entity. So the whole, um, the Torah is represented by the number three, because we have, um, you know, Torah is given in the third month and, and seven. Um, it's given by Maisha Reinu, who's the third child. Um, there's Torah and Nebim Ksilvim. B'nai Yisrael are also three, Kahan and Levi and Israelim. So the number three represents Torah. And the number three also represents you. Because you know the one is when you're alone, like Hashem before the world was created. The number two represents machlekas division, like the second day of creation, Hashem did not say kitayv. Then the number three represents unity when the two opposites come together and unite, and we find common ground and learn like we're not really so different. Maybe we, um, but understand each other's point of view. Maybe realize that we both want the same things. We're just coming at it from two different approaches. And when these two extremes merge, then we create a new entity. It has the advantages of both. And the ultimate example example is a harmonious marriage that we are two individuals two different people and you know when you're married to somebody for a long time you learn that there's you know certain um aspects of your spouse that are very different from you you can be very opposite but you learn how to work together you learn how to live together so that is the unity of three not that you know, one person is dominating the other or not when two people are just kind of, you know, living their own lives, but when we're able to come together and create something new. And the ultimate is, of course, bringing a child into the world that because the child represents, you know, the in self because one child can have give birth to the next generation, the next generation. So it's like an infinite connection. And that's how we connect to the infinite of Hashem. So the number three is, you know, this merging and joining of opposites. Um, I also want to add that, you know, this, uh, this whole theme of conflict and unifying and bringing together opposites is really the theme of this year, which is Hashanah's Hakel, because Hakel is not just uniting as a people, it's also unity within yourself, you know, gathering together your ten Nefesh, and within, you know, with your friends, with family, and then it spreads to the whole world. So this whole idea of finding unity, um, being able to overcome differences and finding the value in each other's differences is really the theme of Shnas Hako. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so just wondering, how did you do the research for this book? So first of all, I just want to say, like, I don't know how people did research, um, like, before the internet and before all these databases were out there, because they made it very easy. 
because you can just put like a search term and then you find all your information. Like just for example, <laughs> I typed in the word machlekes and looked up, you know, every example in Igris Kaidesh, whatever talks about machlekes, some very interesting letters, whatever, you know, uh, addresses different types of community conflict. So it, the problem was not finding information. The problem really was organizing it and trying to express it in a way that would, you know, make it clear and be helpful. Right, right. Useful, but um, the section on shalom bias is actually was pretty easy because most of it was already compiled in a book called Eternal Joy by Rabbi Shalom Weinberg. It has like all the a lot of letters from the Rebbe that talk about shalom bias, and also very practical, very you know, which we're gonna get to later on in the talks. Just some of, some of the examples and some of these ideas. Well. So how does your experience as a nurse influence your writing work? Do you ever feel like there's a conflict with the teachings of Hasidus? Um, absolutely not. So the longer that I work as a nurse, just um, I work as a pediatric nurse. Um, so the more I realize how much the spiritual and physical health are inextricably linked, we really cannot separate between our physical health and our spiritual health. And this is something that's you know even being more recognized in the world that um, that we need to pay attention to a person's spiritual health, their well-being, their sense of meaning and purpose. Um, and you know, throughout Chassidus, there's many quotations the, the importance of physical health. Um, the Mitzvah of a set of clean and goof is a grace of lachlan and shama, a small defect in the body. Effect in the neshama, um, Dreb would often write an neshama bari guf bari that you have the healthy neshama in a healthy guf. Uh, there's the famous hayyim yayim that you know uh, it, it's like a donkey that's lying in the road and you have to help him as it has So the body is like the donkey and we have to help. So all these examples show how important it is our physical health and how it really um, you know connects with our spiritual health. And um, a lot of our you know physical issues actually have to do with spiritual problems, uh, like, you know, people who have like bad habits, a lot of times it comes from emotional issues. And then we try to address our emotional issues through, you know, maybe overeating or through doing other, you know, bad habits, which lead to, you know, bad health, bad health outcomes. So when we address our spiritual health, it also leads to physical health. So they're, they're really intertwined and they're really, um, they're really one. Um, another point that I want to mention is, um, you know, when you work, you know, in a in a, in, a med in the medical setting, you start to appreciate a lot of things that maybe, you know, you didn't realize. Um, so, just a few examples. Um, you know, it's it's something that we just take for granted that we were taught and we learn and we you know we grow up with this idea that everybody has their own mission and purpose and that we're here in the world to make the world better. But just last week I was listening to like a medical podcast and someone asked, "How did you get into the field of medicine?" And she said, "Like because my mother taught me that we're here in the world to make the world a better place." I was like, "It was like a chiddush. You know, it's not something that everybody just automatically you know." accepts or understands it's more like you know people think we're here to you know be successful or climb the ladder um, so that's one thing just the the natural um outlook that we're here to make the world better <laughs> we're here to accomplish something not just for ourselves but for the world um, another thing you really realize is the strength of our communities and you know how much we are there for each other you know good times and not such good times when you're in, you know, working in settings where that's not necessarily taken for granted, where that those supports are not available, um, you know, when people are sick and they don't necessarily have people to turn to or that's going to help them. 
And of course, uh, you know, the strength of our families, <laughs> because, you know, you really realize um, how challenged people are in the world when it comes to relationships and how much of a struggle it is to, you know, build a healthy family when you don't have these strong foundation that we have and you know, not to whitewash and not to sugarcoat anything. And, you know, we do have our own struggles. We have our own issues, but, you know, just when you contrast that with what's out there in the world, uh, we, you, know, <laughs> you can hear me. Yeah. Yeah. Could you hear me? Um, so, you know, we have, we really put a lot of effort, into, yes, uh, to keep our marriages strong, and there's the community support in place, um, such as, you know, the existence of org, which, you know, has so much information on the, you know, physical aspects, the spiritual aspects, all the different aspects of marriage and relationships, um, compared to, you know, the world where they're still not, you know, 100% convinced that this is something that's even worthwhile to work on. Okay. Um, can you give us a few highlights from your book that address conflict within a marriage? Okay, so just to back up a little bit. So um, the, the book has actually six sections and the first section uh, is like the background of Chassidus that talks about like the overall concept of conflict, which we, you know, adjust a little bit in the beginning talking about, you know, the symptom and the, uh, how how we're here to um, make you know create this unity out of the two different extremes and bring them together. Um, so the first section is like that general overview. Then it talks about conflict within yourself, like overcoming anxiety, and um, just like the balancing the you know prioritizing how to overcome you know struggles with different um, let's say negative habits that we have. Um, then the, the next section is talking about relationships. So it talks about like things like uh, not, you know, getting, uh, taking things to heart, not taking things personally that other people said and envy. Um, just how to build strong, healthy relationships with other people. Um, and then the next section is talks about the family. So, uh, so just with that in the overall context, the Chalbai is one section of the book, and most of that section is based on the, the book Eternal Joy, which is all the, a collection of Sechus Um, So just a couple of highlights about conflict within a marriage. Um, so I want to share a Sechus from, um, it's comes from Lukati Sechus and it's on Parashas. And I really encourage everyone to go and look it up and, and read the whole thing in entirety because it's really a very, very, very powerful sukha um, that, that has a lot of very deep uh, meaning for people going through any kind of challenge and struggle in their life. So um, we're all familiar with the story of Lachacha that Hashem tells Avram to go out from his land and go to where I tell you to go. So he comes to Yisrael and there's a hunger. So he comes down to Mitzrayim and then Sarah is taken. But in the end, they leave and they get presents. And this whole story, this whole episode is a nice obviously about him that the Yidin are going to go down to Mitzrayim. But in the end, they come out with Rosh So now, according to Ramban, um, Avram was wrong to go down to Mitzrayim. He did the wrong thing. Hashem had told him, go to Yitzchak. Hashem did not say anything about leaving. So when there was a hunger, he should have stayed and wait until you know, Hashem gave him further instructions. So, so the Rebbe asks, if according to the Ramban, this journey that 
he took uh, to Mitzrayim was the, not the right thing, it was the wrong step, he should not have gone, then how could it all have this whole outcome, this whole mindset in Lebanon, that it were, in the end we're going to go out Chicago, if the original step was not the right thing. Now, we have to you know, do a caveat that we're talking about Avraham Avinu, we can't understand, you know, say he did the wrong thing, it, we don't understand it on our level, we're talking about the Aves over here, it's a different, you know, picture, but, you know, the, the, the fact is, this is, you know, according to Ramban, his opinion is that he shouldn't have gone. So the, the Rebbe goes, explains in this Sakha that this is the message for us. This is the lesson that we take from the story that, you know, when we're in a bad situation, but you could say, you know, it just happened, it, you know, it was out of my control, then you can come to terms with it. We could deal with it. We can overcome it because, you know, ultimately it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't something I had control over. But when it was the result of our own choice, our own bad decisions, then it becomes very, very hard to get out of that situation. And then there can be a lot of like recriminations and a lot of acrimony. Um, you know, for example, like in a marriage, we can, Uh, you know, when things are not working out and then we start to blame each other and you did this and you did that. And, and if you had done that, you had done that. And, and we live with, you know, this, a lot of like negativity. And so the Rebbe says, this is exactly what the lesson for us is from this whole story. That even when our initial, you know, step was wrong, we made a bad choice, we made a bad decision. We learned from Avram Avinu that even those situations can be elevated, even those situations can end up being a and we'll go out, and that's why we have this whole story, to tell all of us, no matter what your situation is, no matter you know how you got into the situation that you got into, even if it was your own bad decisions that led you there, even if it was your own fault, this is the Nesinas Kayach that we have from Avram Avinu that it can come out in a positive way and lead to a wonderful outcome. Uh, so I just want to like give a personal example of how, you know, something that a decision that you make can have long-term effects. Um, yeah, so one, one second, if you don't mind. Which was a long time Kayach. ago. Yeah. If you don't mind just to put your camera a little lower, which is looking down. Also, oh. you I don't know if your if your chair is bouncing. <laughs> uh, can you see? Um, not yeah. Now that's good. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. So um, yes. Yeah, so getting back to the thing. So of course, when we you know have an important decision to make, we should consult with Mashpia, Rav, Asri, Bachon, Rebbe, whatever process you have to go through, but, you know, in retrospect, if things didn't work out the way you expected or the way you hoped, you know, this is all part of Hashem's plan. Uh, this is the way it's meant to be. So to put, to give a personal example, so when we were first married, um, my husband wanted us to buy a house in Crown Heights, and I thought he was joking. You know, we were just married, and I thought we were going to go on Shluchos. Uh, this was before the internet. It was before Zillow. I know I'm sounding very ancient over here. So every day he would come home from 770 with these little, like, setlocks that he found on the wall that, you know, another house for sale. And at that stage, buying a house was the furthest thing from my mind. And I said, no. Um, and of course, now you look back and say, well, if we had bought a house then, you know, then our situation would be very different. It would have been a very good investment. It would have been a very good decision. Um, maybe our life would have taken a very different direction. 
So if we live with that, like, oh, I should have bought a house 25 years ago. And if we would have bought a house then, then maybe this wouldn't have happened, that would have happened. You know, then we can, you know, live with that anger and resentment and I'll let it build up and, and let it like, you know, destroy our marriage. But if we look at it, you know, from the perspective of, you know, this is, even though we could have made a different decision then, but this is the situation Hashem wanted from us. Hashem wanted us to go through this path and these struggles. And whatever we had to go through, this was the path that was meant for us. So this is a way to just being able to overcome those negative feelings that, you know, if I had done this and if you had done that and this, you know, anger, blaming back and forth. Just to, you know, to see that, you know, we learned from Avram Avinu that even when our decisions might, you can argue that wasn't a good decision, it still is part of the path and that Hashem, you know, set for us. Uh, do we have time for a few more, a few more examples? Yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. Okay, so just a couple more examples of, um, you know, some concepts, teachings from Chassidus. So uh, there's expression in Keli Mach Bracha La Shalem, that the Keli for Shalem, the Keli for all Brachas is Shalem. So, um, when we, you know, when we have an issue, when we have a struggle in our marriage, the way that we approach it is the way that we bring the bracha into, the, into uh, to, to solve that problem. So if, you know, what are the things that, you know, couples typically have, you know, arguments over, it could be parnasa, it could be shalom bias, it could be, uh, you know, raising the children, whatever it is. Um, if we start arguing over that, then the argument itself is pushing away the bracha that we need for that problem. So it's like if the door says uh, push and you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling, you're pulling. So you're doing the opposite thing that you need. So if, if I'm arguing with my husband about it, then I'm actually pushing away the bracha that I need. When I resolve that I'm going to do this in a peaceful way and we're going to settle this, that's how we open up the tzinar, we open up that channel to get brachas from Hashem in that area. Uh, so that's one concept. Um, another concept- I can't see you um, well again. Oh, okay. Um, another concept is from actually Parshas Bracious, um, that you know, after the eight from the Chet Sadas, so Adam, uh, you know, Hashem came to, first he came to, to, um, to Adam and Adam said, it was the wife that you gave me that gave me from the fruit. And so he blames Chava and then Rashi says, Kan that he was a Kafri type. So this really underscores, um, you know, the importance of Hakar Satev in a marriage. You know, at that moment, you can argue, you know, he had good reason to be upset with Chava. You know, Chava had given him from the fruits, you know, he had every reason to be upset. But even when you have good reason to be upset and you, but you start, you know, with blaming and, you know, all this guilt, shame, blame cycle, um, this is a lack of akar satayv. Because in every marriage, there are certain, yes, there are certain things that are upsetting, there are certain things that are annoying, but there's also a lot of, you know, good things that your spouse is doing. And when we focus on the negative, you know, as human beings, we tend to focus on the things that we don't have, we tend to focus on the things that we're missing, we tend to focus on the things that are wrong. Um, yeah. Focus on the flaws, even when they're legitimate, then we're, you know, we're not showing Hakar Satayv and all the good things that they bring. Um, so, you know, we know that there's a lot of brachas that we all need, you know, and we're lucky if we have some of them, we don't have all of them all the time. Sometimes we expect in our spouse to have 
um, everything all the time. Um, so if we just realize that, you know, they're doing the best they can and to appreciate the things that they are doing and don't focus on what you're not getting. Okay, so, so um, share any more wanna, highlights or do you wanna? Um, so I do wanna conclude, yeah. this, which I think sums up everything, really sums up the theme of the book and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of different uh, thoughts that come together in this quote from the Rebbe. So it's, uh, this is a quote from the book Eternal Joy, Peace at Home Brings Peace to the World. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to read out loud this passage throughout our history. Our sages spoke glowingly about the importance of Shalom and the importance is heightened in our current era as we draw closer to the end of Gaul's unrivaled Mashiach. Um, in, Jewish mystical teachings, every thousand years since creation corresponds to one day of the week with the seventh millennium corresponds to Shabbos. We are currently in the third quarter of the sixth millennium, which corresponds to Friday afternoon. There's no rush. <laughs> which tends to be a hectic time with a lot of mad dashing to make the final preparation for Shabbos may be increased tension between husband and wife. The turmoil and upheaval we see in the world in recent decades reflects the fact that we are coming closer to the conclusion of the Gullahs. The forces of darkness sense that the reign of terror is coming to an end and do their utmost to provoke strife and discord. They focus especially on disrupting the bond between husband and wife because of the great potency of this union and bringing redemption to the world. The closer we come to the conclusion of the exile, the more opposition there is from the forces of darkness which seek to prevent bringing about peace in the world as a whole, and particularly between husband and wife. Notwithstanding these differences, we are difficulties are given special strengths to renew and rejuvenate our marriage as we make the final push to bring the redemption. So just uh, very, very short. So the Rebbe's saying here that because we're at the very end of Golos and Klippa sees that you know, this is their last chance, we do everything, especially to disrupt the bond between husband and wife, because really the husband and wife, are the bond is really the ultimate in you know, bringing unity and Shlemos and Aptos to the world. So they're gonna do everything that they can. And that's why in our time, especially we have all these challenges and but we have also the tools to be able to overcome it and to be able to you know strengthen our marriages and through having a, a strong and healthy marriage you know that's the key to bringing a gula to the world wow such good points you made wow so how can we we read more and when the book does come out where where's the best place to pick it up Okay, so um, right now the book is being serialized on Chabad.org. They've already published a number of excerpts from the book um, and there's more to come. And you can also visit my website, ntoconflict.org for updates and to read sample chapters. And as soon as the book is out in full, you can read about it on my website. And you could share it on the on the podcast as well, the website and to conflict.org. Okay, we'll do. So once it's out, um, it'll be available on Amazon or the Jewish any Jewish bookstore. Yes. Wow, wow. What a what a beautiful endeavor. Thank you so much, Chaya, for taking up your busy time to do this interview. And um, on that note, we actually have a three-part series on Shalom Bias coming up. Um, not next week, it'll be after. Wednesday evening is the first um, part one, and we hope that you will look out for our WhatsApps and emails to, um, and you'll be able to join. So thank you everyone once again for joining us tonight.
And um, thank you again, Chaya. Thank you very much for hosting me. Okay, one more um, mention of our podcast, wikipa.org slash audio. You'll find easy links to all different platforms, Apple and uh, Spotify. We have tens of amazing um, classes and sessions that are all up there. You'll find it very informative and please visit and make good use of it. Thank you. Have a good night. We hope you enjoyed today's recording. Please take a moment to leave a rating or a review to help others find the podcast. We welcome you to support our vital work at mikvah.org forward slash donate. For feedback, please email podcast at mikvah.org. Have a wonderful day.